0: To sum up the book of Acts in just four words. What would you do? Where would you go? I would just sum up the book of Acts in just four words. Well, um, the Reverend Ian e. D. Campbell, um, a fellow Free Church minister in the island of Lewis, he's been doing just that. He's been going through uh, on Twitter all the books of the Bible. And he's been trying to sum up the sort of main theme, the main idea of each book in just four words, okay? And when he gets to the book of Acts, this is what he says, okay? The book of Acts. What Jesus did next. What Jesus did next. So, oh, what do you think? Um, how's Ian D. Campbell doing there? What, what, what Jesus did next? Do you like it? I mean, it's, it's not bad. He's doing what he indeed does. He hits the nail on the head with that, doesn't he? Do you see the point? Acts, this book that we've been looking at over the last few months, it isn't just a book about evangelism, is it? It's a book about evangelism in the name of Jesus. It's not just a book about the church testifying to the glory of the gospel. It's more than that. It's a book about the church testifying to the glory of the gospel in the power of our Lord and Savior. It's about what Jesus did next. And so this morning, as we come into this last section of the book, again, it's that sort of prominent theme that we're confronted with. Like I want you to see that these verses we're looking at today, it's not just, it's not just a, you know, another account of the gospel being held out to unbelievers. Did you see it's, it's much better than that? It's much bigger than that, more exciting than that. What we're looking at is the gospel being held out to unbelievers. How? in the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit of God. But before we before we look at this evangelistic encounter, I guess I suppose it would be appropriate for us to kind of set the scene, wouldn't it? Now, you remember what's happening at this point, do you? Um, the Apostle Paul has been arrested in Jerusalem, and he's been sent as a prisoner all the way to Rome. And if you were here last week, you remember what we saw? Like we saw not only, remember Paul, the shipwreck gets to Malta, not only has he met the pagans in Malta, but last week we saw the the end point. We saw after all this time the apostle actually getting into the imperial capital. He arrives at Rome. And as we get into this section of scripture this morning, I think there's just a couple of things that we should notice and highlight just as way of introduction here. Like I, I need you to see that at this point the Apostle Paul is in chains. Like, like we could read verse sixteen there, and we could think, "Well, that sounds all right." Verse sixteen says, "You know, he's he's kind of living by himself." You could think, "Oh, that sounds all right. Sounds fairly comfortable. It sounds okay." But you've got to see that in this section, everyone who Paul encounters, what has to happen? They have to come to Paul. Do you see why that is? He's under house arrest. Like at all times here, he is chained. Imagine this, chained to a Roman guard. Okay? So he's in chains. The other thing that we've got to understand and appreciate as well, or see, is who it is that comes to Paul. Like, Paul's just in uh, Rome for, I don't know, a few minutes, it seems. And he has invited the Jewish leadership to come and see him. The Jewish leader. Now, do you see... Like, do, you see, do you think about, like, do you see what Paul's up to there? Like, he, he's kind of wanting to set the record straight with these Jews, isn't he? Like, he's been arrested in Jerusalem. He wants to kind of, you know, smooth things out with these Jews. And, and see, these Jews, they're, they're really interested. They've heard a lot about Christianity, and they want to speak to Paul. So here's the thing. I'm going to set the scene. Here's the scene. A few days later, early in the morning, a larger group of these Jews. They come at Paul's house, not in the door. They come in, they sit, they make themselves comfortable. Paul in chains, he stands to address them. They all look to him. That's the scene that we've got here. So what does he say? What happens here? A few things to notice. First of all, we see here an unambiguous testimony. It's the first thing. An unambiguous testimony. Okay, tell you what we're going to do. Um, at this point, we're going to look at one verse, and I'm going to throw things at you. Okay? So we're going look at one verse, and I will throw out five M's that we see in this verse. So the boys and girls with their worksheets are going to have to be on the ball. They're going to have to be quick and ready to listen to the five M's. Okay? So you've got the scene. Paul's about to speak evangelistically to these people. Let's look at verse 23. Here's the five M's. Verse 23. First of all, note the minutes here. The minutes. Now, I don't know how long the longest sermon that you've ever heard was, okay? I don't know. you think back. I remember, I think, a few years ago, I heard a sermon that was going on for about an hour. Uh, And I assure you, it wasn't me that was preaching that sermon either. I don't think I've ever heard a sermon that was any longer than an hour but do you see how long Paul speaks for here do you see this, look at the minutes here like he gets up and he addresses these Jews he's interacting with these Jews, he's preaching here and look at it verse 23 is from morning through till night from morning till night so this is one long sermon we've got here okay, second thing notice the mission Like, what's Paul's objective? What is his intention here when you speak to these Jews? Do you see what it says? From morning till evening he declared the kingdom of God? Now, here's the thing. See that word declared? It could be translated a different way. It could you ready for this? It could be translated. He testified to the kingdom of God. Now, surely, second I say that, surely everyone who sat through this sermon series rings bells does it not? Paul testif do you not do you remember what God promised Paul a few chapters ago? do you remember it? do you remember Jesus appeared to Paul in Acts 23 what did he promise Paul? he said, Paul just as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, what was the promise? you will one day Paul testify about me in Rome So do you see what we've got here right now? Do you see what this is? This right now, in this room, before all of these Jews, this was the fulfillment of this glorious promise. Right now, Paul is testifying about his Saviour, and he's doing so wrong. So we've got the minutes, the mission three. Note the method. So how is it that Paul is testifying here? if you're using the NIV, the church Bible, look at the verse in detail. It says, from morning till evening, Paul did what? You see the words? If you're using the NIV, it's explained. Paul explained. That's, 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 that's right. It's, it's maybe not quite perfect. Maybe it could be translated, because the word's a bit more technical than that. So maybe it should be translated like this. From morning till evening, Paul expounded. So do you see now the picture? Like Paul is standing before these Jews and he is pointing to his scrolls. He's standing before these people, do you see it? And he is unpacking verses of scripture. This is not a man who's standing here sort of in front of these speaking his mind. This is a man here who is preaching from the Bible. He expounded before these Jews for notice the manner in which he did this. Okay, question for you: If I was to ask you this morning what the purpose of evangelism was, what would you? How would you answer that? The purpose. What's the the goal when we are witnessing to people? What are we trying to do? What would you say to that? I was thinking about this this week, and I, I think I would maybe have answered that. We are trying to tell people about Jesus. Would you go along with that? In evangelism, what are we trying to do? we try to tell people about Jesus. Do you know that's right? But it's not everything, is it? See, look what is said about Paul in this verse. Like twice we are told that Paul was trying to do what? He was trying to convince these Jews of the gospel. Now that word there has got an almost kind of emotional level to it. You know, he's, he's speaking, but he's preaching passionately, do you see? Like he's not just, I'm trying to tell people about Jesus. It's not sort of cold and calculated like that. His heart is involved in that. He's trying passionately to persuade these Jews, persuade them about the glory of Jesus Christ and the glory of the gospel. And then fifth, the last one, notice, most importantly, the man. Notice to whom Paul is pointing here. Do you see what it says? It says he is trying to convince them about Jesus. And how does he do it? This is important. From the law and from the prophets. Do you see the point here? Christ was the core of Paul's evangelistic message. You hear that? Christ Jesus, the focus. Christ Jesus was the heart. Christ Jesus was Paul's message in that room in front of the Jews. Okay, now, what do we do with that? What should we be thinking about? What's the application that we have here? Well, well, I ask you this. It's an obvious question in some ways, but who is it that Paul is speaking to in that room? Who have we said? Paul is speaking as a Jew to whom? He's speaking as a Jew to Jews, isn't he? You see, like he is at this moment, he is speaking to people like him. And what I want you to think about this morning, friends, is that God in his grace to us has brought to us in our lives just now people like us. Do you see that? In his providence, what he has done is he has set you in a group of people who are like you. You know, friends who have become friends through a shared interest in whatever it would be, I don't know, books, music, sport, fashion, or workmates, who have become workmates because you've got a shared gift for, I don't know what it is, finance, administration, teaching. And do you see here in Acts chapter 28 what you as a Christian must be doing amongst these people? What must we be doing? We must be pointing people like us to Christ, That's that's the goal. That's it. We are supposed to point people like us and point them to Jesus. And and you say, but Andy, this sounds really kind of, (laughs) this sounds really simplistic. But is it? I mean, isn't it the case that we're kind of making a very subtle but very important mistake? I mean, what do we do? If we engage in evangelism or witnessing at all, what do we do? We point people to somewhere slightly different to that, don't we? What do we do? If we witness, if we engage in evangelism, we point people to, I don't know, church? Or we point people to, I don't know, a a spiritual book? We point people to a spiritual idea? Do we do that? We point people to mm, Christian values? to Christian behavior. And do you, you see here, that's not what Paul's doing with these people. What's Paul doing? Paul is pointing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, I, and I, I'm absolutely desperate for you to see that that is emphasized in the most amazing way in this chapter. Right. Follow me, please follow me with this. Like We've said in this, uh, this sermon series, the act is the second volume of a two-volume work. Remember, i said that a few times. That the author, Luke, he writes his gospel. That's volume one. And then he adds volume two. And he adds... Now, here's my question for you. Do you remember how the author ended his first volume? Do you remember how Luke ended Luke's gospel? Can you think back? Do you know it? He ended it with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Do you remember what Jesus did there? He revealed to people how all of the law and all of the prophets pointed to him as Savior and Lord. That's how he ended the first volume. And today, do you see how Luke ends his second volume? What does he do? He's now got Paul. He's now got the church doing what? Revealing to people how all of the law, that's what it says, and all of the prophets point to what? Point to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Don't you love the, the symmetry? Do you see the point? Evangelism isn't evangelism until we're doing what Paul did here. Until we are perhaps armed with scripture. And certainly armed with some sort of passion and conviction until we are actually pointing people to the one that all of Scripture, all of the law and all of the prophets raises up. Pointing people to the one, the only one who says evangelism. It isn't evangelism until we are pointing people to Jesus. It all must be rooted in him. So we see an unambiguous testimony an unambiguous testimony for Christ. Secondly, see here as well, an unexpected reaction. An unexpected reaction. So you've got the scene. The Jews are hearing the gospel, and I think we've got a, a small faction of them responding to what Paul says. He points them to Christ, and I'm sure you noticed that a few were saved But really I think it is the majority. It's the unbelieving Jews that Luke has as his focus at this point. And you know that really bizarre expression that we've got in English. Um, What is it? The straw that breaks the camel's back. Well you see in Acts 28 what that straw was for these unbelieving Jews, don't you? Like at the end of the night Paul's been preaching and he quotes Isaiah, the prophet, to to these Jews. They don't like that. And that's the straw that breaks the camel's back, isn't it? Like Paul says, you have calloused hearts, you're blind to the gospel, you are deaf to the gospel. And they storm out. They leave Paul's house. Now, if we are going to understand this rejection of the gospel here, what we have to do is view it in the context of the whole of this last chapter and see what Luke is telling us in this last chapter. So think back about what we've seen, and I would ask you to think about the people groups that we saw last week and here. The people groups. Now, do you think about it? Last week, what did we see? What was the first people group we saw? Remember, Paul was shipwrecked. He landed in Malta. Who did he see? Who did he encounter? Pagans. And... and what was notable about the pagans? Do you remember the making the fire? And remember what it was? They were, they were, there was benevolence, wasn't there, towards Paul? There was a real sense of kindness from pagans! Okay, then what happens? Remember? They left, they sailed to Italy. Who came out of Rome? What was the next people group? Who did we see? So Christians, right? And what was notable? Remember what did Luke say about the It was their hospitality, their welcome. Do you remember, it was their encouragement of Paul. Do you see the people groups? So do you see what it is that Luke is doing at this point? He's highlighting here not just the the unbelief of a random group of individual people. No, at this point, he is emphasizing the hardness of the Jews to the gospel. This is what's going on here. He's emphasizing the, the sheer disbelief of the people of the, of the Jews. And I think if we just stand back for a moment and consider that, doesn't that blow our minds? I mean, think about it. At the end of this book about the formation of the church and the gospel going out, what are we seeing? Unbelief of the Jews. And who are they? The people of Israel? I mean, God of all the nations on this earth what did God do? He didn't go to the Scots He didn't go to the English He didn't go to the Brazilians and He didn't go to the Peruvians or the Ghanaians where did He go? He went there like He went to to Israel they in some senses are privileged weren't they? in some senses you could say that they were chosen and what have you got at the end of the book of Acts you've got there they don't believe They don't believe the gospel. They are hard of hearts. The people of Israel. And surely there is a message in that for us this morning. Because isn't it true that very often it's the people that we would expect to embrace the good news that are the ones that are, are hardest and most opposed to it. Isn't that the case in your life, in your experience of church? Those you would expect to. To see the glory of Jesus. Those you'd expect to embrace that wonderful message, they are actually the ones who who turn away and are opposed to it. Like, just take people in our country. Take citizens of the UK. Like, think about our country. We we are people who live in a country who is, if you like, founded upon scriptural, biblical principles, right? You know, a, a, a country whose laws and leadership historically has kind of been rooted in biblical Principles. Now what would we expect then? Given that glorious heritage, given that wonderful history, what would we expect? We would expect people in this country to be really open to gospel truth, being exposed to it. And what do we find? We find that the people in the United Kingdom are probably more opposed to the good news of Jesus Christ than any other country on this earth. And it's the same in this room. And it's the same in, uh, your families as well, isn't it? That we all know people who, who, uh, you know, godly parents and have been brought up, uh, here hearing the gospel week in, week out in a faithful way and people who have been brought through Sunday school and we're like, surely all that exposure to the good news and all that exposure to to the truth about Jesus. What do we expect? We expect they're going to be saved. You know? <laughs> and what do we find? Some of these people are a million miles away. And some of these people are filled with hatred for Jesus. Like much more so than their friends, much more so than, than their, their colleagues at work. They hate the gospel. I want you to see that that isn't the end. You see, a few commentators, I think, get Acts 28 wrong in this episode of the Jews. They get it wrong. They say this this represents the, fi- the death nail for Judaism. This represents a final rejection of all Jews for Christianity. And that's not right. Look what, look what the author does here. Look how he frames the rejection. Before it, he speaks of Jewish converts. After it, he speaks of all people, both surely Jews and Gentiles, coming and hearing Paul and surely being saved. Do you see it? Yes, this represents a general rejection of the Jews. But individuals were still being saved. Have you got people in in your life, loved ones? You know, family and friends who aren't saved and who seem to hate Jesus Christ. I'm saying to you this morning, do not give up hope. Do not lose hope. What are we seeing today? We are testifying, but we're testifying in the power of Jesus' name, the power of Jesus. And you just remember who it was that stood up in chains and spoke to those people. Who is it? It was Paul. Surely we see even in him the power of our Lord to absolutely transform even the hardest of hearts. We see an unexpected reaction. So an unambiguous testimony, an unexpected reaction... Thirdly, lastly, we see here some unfinished business. Some unfinished business. Okay, that's it. We come to the end of our sermon series on the book of Acts. A sermon series that, I think Bob could correct me on this, but I think it's been about 60 sermons. A sermon series that we begun on the first Sunday of January, last year Uh, so the question we've got to ask now we've got to the end of it how does this book end? well the last couple of verses that you've got here provides us a great picture of gospel fruitfulness so we've got this picture of Paul welcoming people to his house and he's telling them about Jesus Christ and we assume that people were saved and do you know what the language there is just wonderful in the last couple of verses Because we are told that the gospel at that point goes goes out without hindrance. Now, do you see what that is? We get an idea that the Holy Spirit's involved in that. You know, destroying any obstacles to the gospel. But don't you just love that the image? Paul is hindered. Paul is in chains. His message? The gospel of Jesus Christ. It goes out without any hindrance. And to be honest, surely if, if you're like me, you're left at the end of the book of Acts with a question. Or more than one question, aren't you? And we're, we're told there, it says that Paul was like that for two years. You see, what, see the question that's begged from that? Well, what happened after the two years? And he's like this, welcoming people for two years. Well, what happened next? I'm I'm glad that our New Testament scholar has just left the room at this point. Because, to be honest, I'm going to go home and say, we just don't know. Like, we can have a sort of educated guess here. We can guess, it would seem maybe, that the charges against him were dropped. Paul embarks upon a bit of public ministry, short burst of public ministry. He's arrested, again, executed for his faith. But, to be honest, we don't know. And, And the book of Acts, don't you think, it's almost... A sort of unsatisfactory ending. You know, it doesn't come to this kind of natural conclusion, does it? Like, the book of Acts is left open. So my question to you is, do you see why? Like, do you see why the book of Acts is left like that? Do you see why it is left open? Hear this. It's because this story is still being written. Don't you see that? This message of the gospel... Going to Jerusalem. And then into where? All Judea and Samaria. You see, it still hasn't gone to the very ends of the earth, has it? It's not finished. And so do you see what that means for you and I this morning? It means that London City Presbyterian Church, we are the next section of the book of Acts. You see that you are Acts chapter 29. You are Acts chapter 30. It is you and I that are supposed to take this message of salvation out into the world. And guess what? You might be hindered in that. Hindered by fear. Hindered by lack of faith. Hindered by your circumstances. Hindered by our foolishness. But guess what? The power of God. The power of the gospel. It is in no way hindered. And what's our motivation? I want to I end this sermon series like this. I want to read to you from the New Testament letter to the Colossians. I'm just going to read you two verses. And you will say, well, we're finishing Acts. Why are you reading Colossians? Where was Colossians written? It was written in that room. The Jews left. Paul sits back down, still chained. And he writes his letter to the Colossians. What is our motivation? Paul writes this. He says, God forgave us all of our sins. Having cancelled the written code that was against us, what did he do with it? He took it away and nailed it to the cross. And after having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them. Now, how did he do it? Where did he do it? He triumphed over them, Paul says. By the cross. And friends, do you see that it is that there. The message of the cross that you and I must, must bring to the lost and dying of this world. And I'm saying to you this morning, we can do that. That we can actually, you and I, bring the message of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. How can we do that? Because we, the Church of Jesus Christ, are armed with the power of God. Don't you see? It is through us that we are going to see what Jesus does next. So I I ask you not to lose sight of this. Not to lose sight of what we are. What, What are we? What are we? Well, in the spirit of Jesus, what are we? In the glory, for the glory of Jesus, and by the spirit of Jesus, what are we? We, the church of Jesus Christ, we are empowered. Let's pray.